side of sports. This is episode three. My name is Craig Lineberry, and with me as always is Justin Miller. Hello again. Justin, big week for Major League Absurdity. We got we got a couple big firsts. We did. We got our uh we got our first comment on iTunes and from what we can tell it's not somebody we know which makes us feel pretty good about it. Yeah. So it's not just not just some random but uh for whoever you are we really appreciate the comment and we'll hopefully try to keep up the good work on this. Yeah. And another big first, we got our first celebrity follower we on did. Twitter. We did. We don't have many followers on Twitter, which is something we're actively working on. Yep. But one of the proud 16 is none other than Matt Stairs of NLCS fame in 2008 for that moonshot homer to right field. I'm not even a Phillies fan. Obviously, Craig has even fonder memories of it oh. than I do, but... I still remember that moment. If somebody says Matt Stairs, that's what I'm going to think of. Yeah. Well, that and the 2014 wing ball that I attended where he opened two beers simultaneously by smashing them together and chugging them, which was very, very wing bowl of him to do. Which I awesome. Which I envisioned him doing anyway in my <laughs> yeah. head every time he hit a home run. <laughs> yeah. That and, you know, 9 p.m. on a random Tuesday also. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Matt Stairs uh, holds the record for most pinch hit home runs. I think he might actually hold the record for most teams he's ever been on. Yeah, that's true. He's too. at what thirteen or sixteen? Yeah. It's one of those numbers. Yeah, it's one of those where you go on yeah. Wikipedia and you're like, "Oh my god, he played for them too." <laughs> like, yeah, because I think it, I think I remember even seeing he was on the Rangers for a hot minute yeah. at some point in like the mid two thousands. Yeah, but it was short. I think he was like a trade deadline kind of a player yeah. and then left at the end of the season. So so thanks uh, thanks Matt Stairs we're yeah. w- welcome and and again anybody can follow us on Twitter yeah it's, it's an open at, forum oh yeah <laughs> feel free to tweet at us we haven't yeah. anybody actually tweet at us uh, no I think oh, did uh, we? I think Nick did oh okay yeah okay well at uh, the at sign ML absurdity on uh, Twitter get yeah. get on it um, so Justin uh, last week we kind of rushed the episode we did because you were heading out to Seattle I was so I went out to Seattle this past weekend I uh, was lucky enough to take in a couple sporting events I actually tweeted out a photo from the uh, from the Sounders game which that was incredible I know maybe a lot of you aren't soccer fans but their crowd is amazing especially for major league soccer for US sports they average about, I think it's between thirty-five and forty thousand. Wow! And it was it was pretty filled. So they actually play the games in um, Quest Field, or no, no, it's CenturyLink. Sorry, CenturyLink Field in Seattle, and they fill out the whole lower bowl and part of the second deck, and they tarp off just the upper portions. But it was loud, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Four goals just by Seattle. So. My friends were concerned that it was going to be a 0-0 tie. But, <laughs> and, of course, it was two goals by my favorite U.S. soccer player of all time, Clint Dempsey, yeah. local Texas boy. So that made me pretty happy as well. Um, and then Sunday we went out to the Mariners game, Mariners-Rangers. Unfortunately, the Rangers blew the game in the eighth inning. But we, uh, we just bought cheap tickets outside from the scalpers and hung out. There's a little lower-level bar area. It's like right, in the, right behind the left field wall. So we just hung out down there the whole game. It was pretty fun. That's cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Did you find any of those uh, cheap beers? No. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, Business Insider is just packing a 
just a load of lies at everybody yeah. because I don't know where any of these cheap. I've, the only one I've experienced is Arizona. Yeah. No idea where the Nationals ones are. Could not find the Mariners ones. Yeah. Ask all the friends I was with that live in Seattle. I was like, where can I find $6 beers? And they just laughed at me. Yeah. So, Business Insider, you got some splaining to do because <laughs> it is not, not as easy to find. Yeah. So, uh, Sunday, I was also at a baseball game. I okay. went to see uh, Nats Pods. Okay. Uh, was that the game that. Bryce Harper got hurt, or he get hurt on Saturday. He was hurt on Saturday. Okay. But he was scratched for Sunday. Okay. Um, and uh, so yeah, we had a big, big weekend for baseball. I saw kind of the opposite of of our first topic. We're going to talk about that record-setting Sunday for pick- pitchers. Uh, well, I, I take that back. I saw part of that record-setting Sunday, and I saw the opposite of it. So, <laughs> uh, um, on Sunday there was a, a record set for uh, Major League Baseball uh, where ten pitchers completed at least seven innings and gave and allowed three hits or less. Okay. Ten pitchers. So we had Garrett Richards from the Angels, Ryan Vogelsong from the Giants, Adam Wainwright from the Cards, uh, Julio Tehran from the Braves, Dylan Gee from the Mets, Johnny Cuto from the Reds, Ian Kennedy from the Pods, Jason Hamill, the Cubs, Colin McHugh from the Astros, and James Shields from the Royals. Wow. So I got to see uh, Ian Kennedy put up a gem. Uh, but unfortunately, the Nats, who have a pretty spectacular pitching staff, I saw them walk in two runs in the same <laughs> inning. So yeah, it was kind of a man. kind of a big letdown when that happened. This yeah. guy, they brought this guy Barrett. Um, I, I'm gonna say I haven't heard of him. Nats fans who listen are gonna be like, he's been on the t- roster for three years. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I I rarely saw him in any of the games that I went to. Um, but uh, he just had control issues. He he yeah. brushed he brushed back about. Four of the guys he faced, just high inside every time. Just he didn't seem to get his command on. Right. But uh, but yeah. So so big Sunday for pitchers in Major League Baseball. And I was going to ask you, Justin, uh, do you think that this is the era of pitching? I yeah, I think it is. And we kind of talked about a little bit whether whether this is steroid related or not, uh, or lack thereof in this time period. But I don't know. I mean, I kind of just think that. Pitchers are just getting better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's more focus on it now. And like leagues growing, like getting, starting at younger ages, more kids are becoming better pitchers. I mean, I remember when I was elementary school, I knew pretty much every kid I knew that was second or third grade that was trying to become a pitcher, they had pitching coaches on the side. You know, I don't know how prevalent that was 20 years before that, you know? So I think you got kids that are honing their skills at a very young level mm-hmm. as opposed to just, you know, gripping and ripping it until they're, you know, 16 years old. Right. These kids are learning quality skills at a young age. So I think that's starting to really come to fruition. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I've always said I'm actually a, a pitching fan. I think there's two games in baseball. There's hitting and pitching. And I, I am such a, a huge pitching fan. And, and I love that pitchers are doing better. It's great to see them. Take control, um, you know, take the, take the pressure on their shoulders and either, you know, do or die. Either they succeed and they strike out that guy with bases loaded or, you know, they give up a timely hit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and sometimes they fall apart. It's sometimes it's a, it's a series of, of events when it's, it comes to pitching. Yeah, it's completely mental. You know, you, you look back at those guys like John Rocker, man, that guy was incredible. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he just wasn't. Yep. And it had nothing to do with velocity. He clearly had the same physical abilities, but his head was just gone. 
Right. And he just can't, he's just throwing it all over the place. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so much more mental to me than, I mean, the hitting side is obviously, but I don't know. There's just something about pitching where I, all eyes are on you. Right. And you have a very, very narrow margin of error. Yeah. I, I was thinking about this too. Do you think, uh, well, I'll say, do you think, Bob? I'll, I'll put in my own opinion first. That the the style of pitching has changed. I thought about some of the pitchers from the from the eighties and nineties, thinking about you know, um, starting real early like Nolan Ryan, and thinking about Randy Johnson, uh, and uh, some of those guys who just you know was was fastball, fastball, blow it past you. Clemens, yeah. another guy, and now it's you hear a lot about uh, uh, changeups. Sliders, a little bit more finesse pitching. I think you got two sides of that, in yeah. my opinion. Because, uh, I mean, you think about, even back then, there was also still Greg Maddox. True. Jamie Moyer was pitching during that time, plus 10 years before and 10 years after. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I mean, you still had those guys. And you think about now, too, there's guys like Justin Verlander that he throws solid 100. Max yeah, he was going to be my exception. Max Scherzer throws pretty hard. Um there's there's definitely those guys that hit those high registers. I think the ones that can throw that hard though, they tend to be put more into the closer role. Yep. Such as like an Araldis Chapman or something yes. like that. Yes. Uh, I think you're seeing less and less power pitchers in a starting position. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, and you know it's exciting to see, and and uh, I'm really really happy to, to to have that record. And I wish I could have been in every single one of those games. And it's interesting too because you look at the, this list from Sunday. You got some big names, some Cy Young contenders on there, yeah. and then some guys that you don't really hear about too yeah. often. They're probably good in their own right, and those those fans of those teams probably know them much better than we do. Like, right. like this Colin McHugh kid, I guess, is supposed to be really good for the Strohs. But, but, but who outside of Houston can name yeah. anyone on the Astros? Yeah. Yeah. Other than Dexter Fowler, that's the only one I know, and that's because I lived in Colorado before they <laughs> traded him. <Right>. So <laughs> that's the only reason I know Yeah. Him. Well, and, and, and with the pitching, talking about blast from the past, uh, K-Rod. Yeah. Back on the wow. scene. He's back. He's back. <laughs> I mean, is he? <laughs> I don't know. For a week he is. <laughs> so So let's let's uh let's talk about him. So uh he's had about sixteen appearances with thirteen uh save opportunities. He converted all the saves. Yeah. So he's thirteen saves, um zero point zero zero ERA and twenty three strikeouts. <laughs> I don't know if he pitched last night. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't catch. So that. I was watching, and that was a record for, or tied a record for before May first. But thirteen saves. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, yeah, that's even some of the best closures in the league haven't done that. Yeah. Plus, you don't even know. I mean, I'm, I haven't looked at his as statistics specifically, but those other three opportunities were probably just to keep him warm on games that weren't save opportunities. It may, I don't think it means that he's blown a save. Right. It just means that. Wasn't a save opportunity. Yeah. So still zero point zero zero ERA. His um, uh, his WHIP is is pretty low too. Um, I don't know. Maybe is it two thousand eight again? Is two thousand eight <laughs> calling? It might be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I looked at his career and it's and, and he's kind of interesting. You know, he he was on the Angels and that's where he got the name K Rod. Yeah. He had those couple of years. We had forty or more saves, and that one year we had what sixty two. Yeah. That was two thousand eight. Um. Then he then he signed on with the Mets back when they got Johan and it's like oh my god the Mets are gonna have the greatest pitching staff and and then he just kind of faltered kind of went mean, went back into the shadows. The Mets have always been known as a career killer, so yeah, yeah, sadly, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think he got uh, 
traded. Did he get traded to the Brewers or did he get signed by the Brewers? I think he got signed by the Brewers. So he got signed by the Brewers. Stint one. Kind of had a good good couple years there. Bounced between setup man and closer. And then he went to the O's? Ooh, I don't that. know about that. He's been on the O's. He was on the O's last year. I know that. And then now he's back with the Brewers. But anyway, regardless, I don't know. K-Rod's back. It's exciting. <laughs> he's, got that, he's got a crazy release. He's one of those yeah, little does. guys... It's kind of like a sidearm, overarm. You're like, I don't understand how his arm moves from that direction to that direction. But, uh... Yeah, so he definitely got traded by the Orioles to the Brewers last year. Okay, so he, he was an Oriole. Yes. I wasn't off on that one. Got the split stat. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so... Really cool to see him back. He's always a fun name to bring up. Oh, yeah. You know? He's, he's one of those guys, too, like, for years... He's there in fantasy baseball. And you're like, do I take him? Do I not take him? <laughs> is this, is this going to destroy me? Or is it just going to make me the greatest team in the league? Yeah. It's literally one or the other. There's no no medium ground here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's cool. Cool to see him doing well again. So, and, you know, pitching, we talked a lot about the, these, these records saying day on Sunday, K-Rod. But we haven't had a chance to talk about the pine tar incident with, with Pineda. Yeah. Because that happened the night before. Yeah, it happened the night before we recorded the last episode. And we already had our, our, our episode set up, yeah. so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. Yeah, it's, set, it's such a weird thing because, you know, obviously this was the second time with the Red Sox, against the Red Sox, that the pine tar incident had been brought up. Because the first game, they had pointed out that they thought he was using pine tar, but no one said anything about it, which to me indicates that. I mean, I, I'm not exactly certain who was pitching for the Red Sox that night, but to me it indicates that whoever that pitcher was is doing something, mm. whether it be pine tar, spit. If it's uh, if it's Buckholtz, might be spitballing. That's mm. always been the rumor is that he does that. So it's suspicious that the manager didn't say anything, even though he definitely knew about it. So I'm sure going into the second game against Pineda, they're like, okay, we're going to be on the lookout. For and if you notice, in that game, Pineda didn't have the pine tar in the first inning. Yep. He got roughed up a little. Yeah. So second inning, he goes out with the pine tar immediately. They catch it. He's gone. Yeah. And I thought that was, before getting the whole issue of pine tar, that whole just, like, scenario with Pineda on the, on the mound when they all came out. Yeah. And Girardi came out, and, and, and Jeter went, went up there to the mound. What do you say to your team? Like, yeah. uh, you, can't, you can't pat Pineda on the butt. You know, like you signed him as a starting pitcher, right? A good, a good starting pitcher too. Yeah, and he's basically not giving you a chance to win the game. And I just, I feel like it's so embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like if you're, you're the manager, you know. I mean, you obviously know what he's doing. I mean, you're a baseball guy. You see that he's got pine tar, and he, I'm sure Girardi knew. Girardi may have even said something to him, like after the first inning, like, "Hey, man." Uh, maybe try your neck or something. Maybe they won't notice. <laughs> like, but it, it's obviously it's going to happen. And I, one of the things I thought was interesting after the first time, whenever it got brought up, they interviewed David Ortiz, and David Ortiz just really didn't seem to care. Mm-hmm. He was just like, "Yeah, that happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever." Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point. Is about about the, the hitter side. So the issue with pine tar is grip. Right. It, there's day when I say day, the, the reports on uh, on any of the major sports networks, like I saw, uh, I think Doug Lanville did a little test of it with um, MLB.com, ESPN. 
they're saying that that pine tar doesn't really add much much uh, motion to the ball, but it gives the pitcher a better grip. Right. So as a as a hitter, and especially at the major league level, guys are hawking this little tiny rock at you yeah. at almost a hundred miles an hour. You better want them to grip that ball well and put it where they want it. Well, and I think the theory, I think the concern, I so. Obviously, the league lets them use rosin bags, and so I think they're saying, "Well, we give you the rosin bag, just use that." But from what I gather, pine tar is much better even than the rosin bag. Well, the so, rosin bag doesn't work in moist conditions. That's true. Yeah. Sorry if you don't like the word moist. <laughs> wet conditions. And yeah. It was kind of it's wet this this time of year right. in the Northeast. Yeah. It's humid or it's after rains, before rains, the change of weather. Yeah, I mean, and some pe- a lot of people have made the argument, too. Well, hitters get to use pine tar, so why not let pitchers use it? Because yeah. for the hitters, it's the same concept. It's just grip. That's all it is. Right. Um, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't really see the harm in letting a pitcher use it. And I'm sure, it, uh, guaranteed, once winter meetings come around this year, that is going to be a topic of conversation now, right. is whether pitchers should be allowed to use pine tar. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I, th- I think it's going to be interesting. Well, you know, my, my issue on the other side, and I'm not defending, I'm not defending this. Don't get me wrong. I'm trying to just bring up a, 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 a varying viewpoint on this. Pitchers, I've heard, like to reuse balls between pitches. Yeah. So if, if, if they throw a pitch to the, to, the, to the catcher and it's a strike or it's a, it's a ball or it's basically the hitter doesn't make contact with it. They want, or they do make contact with it, and it's an out, and they get the ball back. They want that ball back because it gets roughed up, right? And it, that adds some level to the grip. of uh, well, not grip, but also movement. Like you yeah, get a nice yeah. little, t- like a nice little rip in it. That's something that you know the air can catch on and, and add a little movement to the ball. So if you're gonna if you're gonna disallow pine tar, so they have these discussions using yeah. your, what you brought up. They have these discussions about pine tar. Then shouldn't the discussion be like, well, guess we're gonna have to use an, a new ball every, every pitch? Yeah, that's true. I mean. I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what they determine to do with it. I say they just let them go with the pine tar. I mean, it, there's no. It, so from what I've re- I was kind of reading some about this this week because of that, and they were talking about other pitches like the spitball and things like that, and how the spit adds movement to the side. And one of the reasons they outlawed it is because pitcher threw a ball, hit a guy in the face. <laughs> and like I mean, I I can't remember if the guy died, but it was close. I mean, he pretty much couldn't play ever again, and so. Yeah, they, uh, that was one of the reasons that they disallowed it, because it causes movement the opposite direction mm-hmm. of the way it should go, so it just doesn't go. Well, does that depend on the... Well, it would depend the hand, on the... If you're right-handed, left-handed. Yeah, but yeah, so if you're right-handed facing a right-handed batter, it's going to curve back in right, which you wouldn't expect. Right. And so it catches a batter off guard. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't expect the ball to come from a right-handed pitcher hooking back into you. Yeah. So that's how guys get hit in the face, yeah. apparently. I've seen, and I've watched games where I've seen pitchers on the mound, especially in those hot July and August games, where they lift their hat and they wipe their forehead. Yeah. What do you want them to do then? Yeah. Like, I know. are they allowed to do that? Or are they not allowed to do that? Well, that's the. Uh, that's the. Is that a spitball? That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the Clay Buckholz argument. Yeah. Because he's like the sweatiest dude of all time, <laughs> and so he can just like literally pull it from anywhere and just rub the ball up and down. Yeah. So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's gonna happen with it. Yeah. But. And uh, what else is exciting about this whole pine tar issue is they showed that great George Brett clip. The famous, goes, 
flying. I mean, he must have set a record for time from the dugout to home plate. I mean, that was <laughs> that's the fastest George Brett ever ran in his life, right there. I'm sure. I'm sure after that game, him and his manager watched film of it. His manager was like, "Yeah, bottle that from home late, home plate to first on a grounder next time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you'll beat it out if you're running that hard." Yeah, that was that. That's fun to watch, man. That's before both of our times. Yeah, that's a it's a crazy situation, and I think that was that scenario is, is so interesting because it was uh was a two run shot or or maybe a solo yeah. to to put the the Royals up. With two outs. So they had two outs to put the Royals up to force a bomb in the ninth for the Yanks to hit. It was in Yankee yeah. Stadium. Um, and then because of that call, they had to call him out, which ended the game. Yeah. And, and so I don't think, I don't, I think, I was thinking about that, that in other situations, I don't know if you get that chance. So I, I, it makes you think about how many other famous home runs might have had a little bit more pine tar up the bat <laughs> yeah you know then it was allowable yeah and i don't get what that does up the bat me neither to be honest it's not whereas we're talking about how pine tar with a pitcher might change the movement of the ball if you have pine tar on a bat that hits a ball what does that do to the ball does that <laughs> yeah. like as well to me i would think it would just stick <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> yeah. what i think because your tar yeah it's gonna stick and if you're hitting a home run well, it doesn't matter how the ball moves. It can move any way it's out of the park. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's George Brett. Like, yeah. George Brett hit that home run. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it didn't. it's not like a shot of roids right before he hits it. You yeah. know? I mean, it's <laughs> not going to do anything. <laughs> so, uh, you know, while we're on this, on, on this baseball uh, uh, deal and, and talking about controversy and, and, and stuff that needs to happen, I am going to start our first campaign. So, episode three... <laughs> Major League Absurdity, we're going to start our first campaign. It's going to be the real deal. It's, yeah, this is going to have its own hashtag and everything. Yeah, we're going live. <laughs> yeah, we're going live with this thing. We're going live with this thing. <laughs> uh, so uh, Justin and I have talked. We, we've been in the, in the D.C. metro area for a couple of years now, both of us, uh, myself longer than Justin. Been here through the entire lifespan of the Washington Nationals and uh, built a new park in uh, for the 2008 season. Still no All-Star game. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of a shame. You know, I think, I think you actually were telling me that one of the, one of the quote unquote reasons is that they're waiting for some of the, some of the area to get developed a little better around there, which Mm -hmm. has been slower than the DC area would like, but still, I mean, you know, you look at, I I mean, I, I greatly dislike that argument solely because of one stadium that has had it and that's city field. Mm -hmm. There's nothing over there. Yep. I mean, unless you want to go catch a tennis match after the All-Star game, there's right. nothing in that area. So, and same thing, I've actually, I've never been in it, but I've driven by Kauffman Stadium. Mm-hmm. Nothing in there either. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't really say that it has to do with the surrounding area. And right. It's not like there's nothing to do in D.C. I mean. Yeah. So for, for you folks out there who, who don't live in the D.C. area, the, the metro system in D.C. is, is pretty great. Yeah, it's it has its downside, but every public transportation system does. But there's a stop right at the ballpark. Not to mention, I was thinking about this, which it it always gets overlooked, is the ballpark's like a half a mile to the Capitol. Yeah, it's really close. It's really, really close. People people always forget that. You could walk. Yeah, problem. Really close. So I uh, developed my first fact sheet for this show. I'm going to wave it by the mic. (laughs) Watch out. Hear that? That's (laughs) That's facts coming at you. Those are facts. (laughs) Um, I looked up a couple ballparks. So I started in 2000. I don't want to like do this laundry list over the right. podcast. So 
I'm going to start uh, from 2008 when, when the Nats Park came into existence. 2008, Yankee Stadium. Last year, Yankee Stadium. Makes okay. sense. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> I'll give you that one. Yeah. Uh, 2009, Bush Stadium uh, in St. Louis. Um, they built the stadium 2006, so three years. Yeah. Till till Bush Stadium had it, so home of the home of the Cards, the Cardinals. Uh, 2010 Angel Stadium. That one's a joke. So Angel Stadium is interesting. I did I looked this up. So the the stadium, the land, and the area they and did the, remodel it significantly. That's what I was going to get to. So yeah. they built it actually in 1966. Yeah, and it's been a, a whole bunch of names, a whole bunch of different ownerships. It was a multi-use field at one point for the Rams. Um. Then in 1998, they did the huge renovations on it. Yeah. So I'm starting from the renovations. Yeah. So 12 years. Okay. You know, 12 years. But they had the shortest span between All-Star Games in the city, which was 21 years. So between uh, uh, 2010, I think it was 1989, 21 years until they had the next All-Star Game. So that's the shortest length of time for any city to have an All-Star Game. Or between All-Star Games. That had multiple All-Star Games. Chase Field. Uh, Chase Field was built in 1998. Had its uh, All Star Game in 2011, so that was 13. I thought they had one their way before that. That's why I was confused. Um, they might have had one in Phoenix, or 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 in Arizona. I don't know much about Chase Field. I just looked. I just looked up when it was built. Uh, 2012 Kauffman Stadium, home of the Kansas City Royals, built in 1973. Huge renovations done in 2009. So going off the renovations, it was three years. Um, 2013 was City Field, built in 2009, so four years it took for them to get the All-Star Games that's being built. Target Field, which is this year, built in 2010, uh, so again, four years so it was built. And then the one that they announced for next year is the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati, built in 2003, took 12 years until um, 2015 to have an All-Star Game. So right now, you're looking at... Um, 2017 tentatively for any chance of the Nats to have an all-star game. Right. Because, and I say 2017, you're like, well, about 2016. If you look at the history, they, it looks like they do a good job of, of switching between AL and NL. Yeah. So I'm basing this off of 2017. And, that, and that's what they, I think that's their plan every year um, is to do that. Especially now that they've, now that it actually determines home field advantage for one or right. the other. I guess they're assuming that, if it's in an NL stadium, there will likely be many more NL fans there. Right. And I think that's probably so, a good, uh, good indicator. So regardless, eight years in existence, or sorry, it'll be nine years in existence in 2017. And still no, you know, that's just a possibility. Right. And I think, that, I think that's ridiculous. We've been to a number of games at Nats Park, and it's a great field. You know what? It doesn't have as many frills as some of the other well-established ballparks, yeah, but it gets the job done. It would be, I think, it's a good venue for one. I mean, yep. it, I don't know. It's just set up correctly, and you know, if you're looking at size, just looking. I mean, because it's not one of the larger ballparks you'll go to, but looking at 2006 PNC Park, PNC Park, I believe, is the smallest in the league by pretty sizable number. Yeah. Uh, maybe Fenway actually. Both of those two are about mid 30s, mm-hmm. whereas. I believe Nats Park is around 40. So, you know, it's still, it still seats more than those places. Yep. And it, Nats Park also has a lot more standing room area, too, in theory. 
because that whole back area, you could mm-hmm. fit people out there if you wanted, like during a home run derby or something. Right. People would love to be out and, there. And this year, uh, going to the game on Sunday, they built up a lot more standing benches. Okay. I guess that's what you would call them, standing yeah. benches. Like, like where, a, you, where you rest your beers. It's like standing and, counters. Yeah, or stand, thank you. Yeah, standing counter. There's, there's a couple more up in the 300 level to welcome more standing room folks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, listen – for, for you folks out there listening, we're, we're starting a we're starting a hashtag. It's a hashtag DC All Star Game 2017. Um, I know it's a little bit long, but just say just tweet at MLB. Just tweet at um, C League for now. That's a tough call. <laughs> yeah, I, just get it on on the radar now. Tweet, yeah. tweet at whoever you can to get to get this hashtag going. We want to get this trending. Hashtag DC All Star Game 2017. And another couple things I want to put in perspective. Last time an All-Star game was in D.C. was 1969, oh, RFK God. Stadium. So it's been 45 years since the last All-Star game in D.C. I, I just, I can't get over that, that they haven't done it yet. I mean, I, I, I think it should have been before City Field. Um, I don't think it's fair that City Field got it before the Nats did. Yeah. Uh, or Na- Nationals Park. There's so much to do in D.C. Yeah. So that's fine. If you want to make the argument, C-League or whoever, that there's nothing to do around the ballpark... D.C. is such a small city, believe it or not. There's so much to do. There's so much to get around. Great food options. Great bar scenes on any level. You got your throwdown bars in Adams Morgan to your upscale bars on on U Street. Yeah. Um, You know, there's so many scenes to get into. You got your clubs, you know, in in, in addition to that. You you got your high-end stuff. You got your high-end hotels. And then all the history and sightseeing for tourists. I mean, you can make a great trip out of this. I'm surprised the mayor isn't making a bigger push. And, and looking at too, I mean, I, you know, I just don't think that they've already doubled up twice within the last, you know, five years with Angel Stadium and Kauffman Stadium. Those are two venues they've had it at before. Yep. Uh, you know, if you have parks that are good, viable parks that have not hosted yet, why are you doubling up? Right. That just doesn't make sense. Yep. Um, and so you bring up an interesting point. I I uh, looked up some of the uh, parks that are yet to have an All Star game. This is actually going to bring up a, a funny funny point. So uh, starting with sort of the new the newer one is New Yankee Stadium. Right. So that that I hope that'll be a while. Yeah, it should be. But I could also definitely see it being 2016. Yeah, I could I see mean, I could see it too. But you'll see where we're going in a second. Sizz's Bank Park. Yeah. I know you guys are shocked that I'm not making an argument for that, but I, I, I won't. I, I think that Nationals Park and the city of D.C. deserves the All-Star game as soon as possible. But Sizz's Bank Park, I was surprised to see that. Built in 2004. Um, hasn't had an All-Star game there yet. But the last All-Star game in Philly was in 96 at the Vet. Okay. So it's, it's, it's been recently that Philly has had the MLB All-Star game. Uh, Petco Park in San Diego. Uh, built in 2004, um, hasn't had an All-Star game yet, but they did have an All-Star game in 92 at the old Jack Murphy Stadium. Gotcha. Yeah, see, and that one's weird to me, too, because Petco, from what I, from everything I've heard, is also one of the better ballparks yeah. in the U.S., and so the fact that they haven't had it out there yet, which, you know, I, I would feel like having a summer game in San Diego <laughs> right by the beaches is probably an ideal spot yeah. to have the all-star game. Yep. So I don't really know why they haven't done that yeah. yet. And just going back to the original list, Great American Ballpark in 2015 deserves it. Yeah. Because they've been around a lot, a lot longer. City Field is my is the one that sticks out to me that they could have waited on City Field when yeah. you had these other ballparks waiting. 
Um, here, here, here are some ones that are really going to get you going. I think you're going to laugh about this. So uh, Marlins Stadium hasn't had an all-star game yet. Right. I mean, it was just built last year, 2012. Right. Miami has never had a Major League Baseball all-star game. Good. That, <laughs> that last stadium they had was awful. Joe Robbie? Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's obviously still there, but not used for baseball. Yeah. But yeah, it was horrible. Yep. I mean, they never deserved it. I mean, it was a shame that they had to have World Series games there. It still looked awful. Yeah. We had New Marlins Stadium. And, I, I, you know, Marlins Stadium, I have no problem with the stadium. I think the stadium's nice. Uh, the big eyesore, obviously, is the, is the Dolphin ring in center field for when they hit home runs. That's awful. But yeah. the stadium they would, itself. They would have to cancel the home run derby if they were going to turn that thing up. <laughs> Maybe they'll break it. <laughs> yeah, I uh, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back Mark McGuire and have him rip line drives yeah. in that thing to see if he can break it. Because that is the biggest atrocity that's happened in baseball in yeah. many years. But like, the park's nice. Yeah. The, but the rest yeah. of the park is nice. Um, a lot of space to you know move around. Not many people in there. So <laughs> I think you sit behind home plate for what five bucks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think you get a hot dog with yeah. that. <laughs> and I think you can actually get free ones if you go down to the local bank on Thursdays and <laughs> hand out those little coupons and some popcorn. Um, another another one you're gonna laugh at Tampa Bay. Oh God! So yeah, not, they're not gonna get one ever. They're not. Yeah. Well, who until knows? They build a new stadium. Yeah. So '98 uh, is when the Rays are playing at the Trop. Yeah, so, I mean, Seelig's been threatening that he's going to move the team if they don't build a new stadium. So yeah. I don't think he's going to give them an all-star game anytime soon. So and then, uh, so in 2017, then we'll have a new Brave Stadium <laughs> that we'll have to worry about. Yeah. And then Oakland's in the mix, too. Yeah, that's the same thing, though, because um, Bud Seelig told them, get a new stadium yeah. or we're going to possibly move you somewhere. So if you're, if you're paying attention to your baseball fan, you'll notice that I only mentioned two American League teams. Yeah. And the rest are not only National League teams – but three of them, no, sorry, four of them are all NL East. Wow. All of them are NL East. So you got Citizens Bank with the Phils, Nat Stadium with the Nats, Marlins Stadium with the Marlins, and then the new Braves Stadium. Yeah. Um, which will be for the Braves. Yeah. So you're going to have four not, NL East. Yeah, I don't four, know how they're yeah. going to figure it out. <laughs> Entire at least. And, and on top of that, though, how are you going to do the flips? Yeah. How are you going to do the flips? Yeah, the, yearly? Well, I, I had read that they were actually talking about having having the All Star game in Dallas again at the Rangers Stadium. Yeah. Because um, the Rangers have done some uh, some improvements to the stadium, and so they talked about bringing it back there. We had it in '94, I believe. What the year yes. the park opened? Yeah. Yes. In, yes. During you did. the strike year. Because you had it right. You had it before the vet. Yeah. So the vet was in 96, and I think I saw on the list. It was around there. It was either 94 or 90, 95. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so listen, everybody get on it. Hashtag DC All-Star Game 2017. It deserves to be there. Oh, yeah. And I'm also going to tap this as well. If you haven't been to a Nats game, um, you, you guys are out of town or just haven't been to a game, they have the best in-game entertainment. Yeah, the president's race. The, the president's race. They have the the third inning salute to the troops. Right. Um. They they have a, a shirt toss that comes out with the presidents. Yeah. The mascots are great. The presidents. <laughs> they, they, it's not like it, they have Screech, who's the lead, quote unquote, the lead right. mascot. But the the presidents, you know, they rule there. Yeah. It's all about the presidents, and and they're hysterical. They've got a great staff of of guys who who do that. And that'll come through with, with this All-Star game. And listen, I have a little insider information. I may or may not know the entertainment on-field entertainment director, yeah. who is one of the greatest guys I've ever met in my life. Uh, and I, I, was, I, was, I was lucky enough to be his roommate for a couple of years. 
Um, he he gets the job done. Yeah, he does an excellent no, job, game in and game out, with changing up the president's race, bringing on those on, on, you know on field promotions, a little you know things that they do during baseball games. It's just it's it's entertaining. It's as close I think at Nats Park that you get to a minor league baseball game. Yeah, because yeah, obviously minor league teams they do a lot more when it comes to the fan involvement because. You know, they know the on-the-field product's not quite as high level as or, going to a major league game. Or at AAA, you don't know how long they're going to be there. So there's right. a rehab game. Sometimes a guy that bounces up and down with injuries. So the rosters aren't always set at AAA level. Yeah. But it's uh, Nats, Nats games, we, we have a good time every single time. There's, there's so much good food options. Now, like I said, there aren't a lot of frills. You're not going to go there and be like, you go to this thing. Right. What you do when you go there is you go to the Red Porch and have a beer. That, go to oh, Hard Times. Or you go to Hard Times and get some nachos. Maybe grab some Shake Shack if you're feeling like yeah, it. If some, you feel some... like standing in line for an inning and a half. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Lots of lots of great high-end food options in the park. You know, you go there, you stand there, and you, you, you overlook the field um, and, and watch you know, the pregame, pregame show. And also, the scoreboard's amazing. It is. That, it's very nice. Yeah, they have one of the, be- the better scoreboards in, in, the, in the league. Great high def uh, uh, um, videos. Screen. screen, thank you. Screen. <laughs> um, it just it has to happen. It, yeah. it has to happen, and it has to happen in 2017. Yeah, I will be personally disappointed. I don't know what I will actually do by myself. That's why we're trying to get you guys involved. <laughs> yeah. About this issue, but they they deserve to have it in 2017. So hashtag DC All Star Game 2017. Tweeted at. MLB at Bud C League at your favorite baseball player at Barack Obama at, yeah at Barack Obama get it out there yeah spread the word yeah, sp- yeah. tweet it at Matt Stairs yeah oh definitely he'll retweet it <laughs> yeah. uh, so yeah just just get on that bandwagon and, and, and we'll we'll keep bringing this up but it's got to happen and if it does happen we hope you guys will come and join us hell maybe we'll catch on we'll get a little <laughs> booth yeah we'll get a little booth do do a little. <laughs> If we don't, we'll just bring our own folding table. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just set up just illegally. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. Press yeah. pass. Yeah, Sir, you fun. wrote that with a crayon on a napkin. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, hashtag DC All-Star Game 2017. And we, we talked a lot about baseball this episode so far. We're going we're gonna to switch gears here because there's, there's some other stuff going on in sports. Uh, but still sticking in that kind of realm of controversy. And we don't want to, we don't want to harp on this too long, but we're going to talk a little bit about the Clippers and Donald Sterling. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, we don't really want to talk about too much of this because obviously at this point it's been hashed out to the max on yeah. everything. I mean, I was getting CNN updates about this, which yeah, I don't know, I don't know when CNN decided they started caring about sports, but they care about this. Um, you know, obviously Donald Sterling, he's just an asshole. Yep. I mean, he's been doing this stuff all his life, just. It, it, he should have been punished by the NBA long ago for other items. I mean, he's just been such a problem owner. I remember reading about Baron Davis saying that he could hear Donald Sterling talking shit to him about how he was a terrible player from from his courtside seat during the game. While and Baron Davis was on the Clippers, mind you, so like it was absolutely absurd yeah. that he would do this. Uh, you know, he's just. I, you know he's an asshole, and that's pretty much the only way to put it. Yeah. But he's a racist. It doesn't deserve to be in the society we, we live in today, yeah. and especially in the role that he's in in 
as an owner of a of a major sports team in Los Angeles. Yeah. Which I don't get. It's so high profile. High profile. Highly that, diverse city. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, and so actually one of the things that we talked about that we think is the more interesting concept here is, uh, so obviously the NBA owners at some point soon are going to get together and vote on whether they can compel Donald Sterling to sell his team. And so we were talking about in the context of football, if this could actually affect the local team, Washington Redskins. Because if Roger Goodell sees, oh, you know, if they can force, if, if owners can vote, to force someone to sell their team, then certainly owners could vote to force someone to change the name of their team. And especially since both have kind of a racist issue involved. I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think Dan Snyder might be a little bit concerned right now that this could, this could be affecting his team's future as well. Um, but what's, uh, what's the precedent you think for cross sports? See, well, so issues like that, obviously the bylaws for both sports, for both leagues are going to be a little bit different, but I would assume that the, if the NBA has some kind of like owners out there where, you know, they can all vote to force someone to do something. Certainly every other league has that too, because as much as owners want autonomy over their own team, each owner wants to make sure that someone else in the league is not going to screw up their money stream. And that's the way they're going to continue to look at this because you know, the NBA owners look at it as, okay, Donald Sterling says all this stuff. It's national news. This is bad for the brand of the NBA. So in theory, it is also bad for my team. So as the Redskins issue becomes more and more, you know, more and more in the media's eye, more focused upon, it's going to get to a point where people or other owners in the league may look at it and say, this is starting to hurt our brand Mm -hmm. because they're, they look at the Redskins, see them as insensitive, and then they just assume that we don't care. And so they look at all of us as racially insensitive. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, you know, obviously Roger Goodell hasn't really been put in a position where he can do anything. He can't tell Dan Snyder to change the name. But if the other owners in the league, if they have that power written into the bylaws, they probably could vote to do that. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's an interesting issue. And, and obviously where we live, it's, it's something that, it's a little touchy to talk about. Like yeah. you, got, you got a lot of people who they're, they're ardent they're, fans. Yeah, they really are ardent fans, and and, uh, and you know that's going to be a tough thing to push because what I what I've noticed in in uh, in DC is um, a lot of the hardcore Redskins fans are hardworking blue collar folks. Yeah. who put every penny they can towards rooting for the Redskins, and when you have these name changes. I feel so bad for the fans like that. Yeah, because they have all this gear that they've purchased over the course of who knows how many years. And that's what they've grown up with. They've grown up with that name. I mean, I can't can't imagine if I was a Cowboys fan and then suddenly they're like, oh, yep, no, that's not the name anymore. They're like something completely different. Yeah, I I wouldn't even know what to do. Yeah. Like, well, all my jerseys are a waste now. (laughs) (laughs) And and you know what's funny is in D.C. that's been a big issue. You look at the Caps – yeah. Actually, the Caps and the Wizards, and we talked about the Wizards a little bit last week, they both had disgusting, like, teal. They had the exact same colors. I never yeah. understood that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how the Wizards looked at the Caps and were like, great idea. <laughs> <laughs> like, give me your color guy now. Yeah. <laughs> like, we need that. Yeah. 
But not, got, not to mention the name the Wizards, which we won't even go into. That's just the worst, one of the worst names of all time. Well, they had they they tried to recorrect for the Bullets, so yeah, far the still, other way. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But then, you know, they both switched back now to red, white, and blue in the past couple of years. You right. still see a little trickling of those teal shirts coming in, which at this point, those are like fans that like, well, I went to like a game five years ago, haven't paid any attention, <laughs> yeah. and now I'm going to just throw on what I have. But I'm back! But I'm back, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The Nats have, Nats have been mostly red and white. They throw in the, the blue um, Sunday, yeah. Sunday, Sunday day, or the day jersey alternative. It's sometimes a blue. It's a blue with the white. Yeah, and, and the, the curly W is red, white, and blue. Yeah. But the, you know, it's DC, dude. Yeah. Or you claim to be DC. That'll be another rant for another time. <laughs> you, you claim to be DC. Um, the land over Maryland Redskins. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you're this ugly maroon and gold. Um, but yeah, I and don't know. And that's one of the things, too. This is, this is my ultimate issue with it. Like, I get, I get the idea of... Oh, well, traditionally it's been named this, it's been named this for 20, 30 years, probably more than that, actually. Um, but DC lends itself to so many good names. Yes. Like, there's so much here. Yeah, yeah. there's other cities, like, if you went to Kansas City, I don't know what you're going to name your team. Like, you yeah. don't have a lot of options there, unless it's, like, fountains or barbecue, <laughs> then you're kind of out. But the Kansas City ribs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kansas City rib ticklers. Um, but yeah, it's I don't know. I, you know, there's just so many different things. Some people have brought up something military related or anything government related. Mm-hmm. I, there's just so many options, and the red, white, and blue is such the obvious color scheme. Yep. I just don't understand why the Redskins had to just buck all of that. Yeah. And go completely the opposite direction. I think they should try to purchase the name of Washington Senators mm-hmm. from, well, it'd be now the Rangers, I think, because they were the Washington Senators. Uh, but purchase the name from them, do that, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I actually want them to change their name to the Minutemen, which, yeah, which will add to one of my favorite sports trivia questions of all time. Have I asked you this one, no, you Justin? Not. All right. So I'm asking you live right now. Yeah, I, have, live. I don't know the answer. Uh, and you can't look at your laptop, even though we have them open. In the four major sports, the four big four of, of American sports, there are a total of nine teams that do not end in S. Oh, yeah. I know some of them. Yeah. Uh, I know Heat, Jazz, One, two, Thunder. Three. Man, that's a tough one. Now I'm starting to get lost, and those are the immediate ones that I know. Um yeah, I don't know past those three. Yeah, so you got, you got three. So uh, Heat, Jazz, Thunder. Uh, you got Wild. Yeah. Um, you got... Avalanche. Avalanche. And then the one that everybody always looks... Remember, the, the question is, do not end in S. Yeah. So you have the Red Sox and the White Sox. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then... Oh, see, I always forget the last two, too. Well, there's not no football. Yeah. So you, you just count out football. That's why I really want them to change the Minutemen. <laughs> yeah. Because then football will have one. <laughs> yeah, and finally. Ten teams. Um. Uh, eat, eat, thunder, jazz. Um, well, you know what? Instead of us having dead air, yeah, you guys write in the last two. Yeah. You tweet at us. You tell us the last <laughs> yeah, two. You tweet at us at, at, at ML Absurdity and give us the last two. But there's definitely nine. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It'll be it's it's a it's an interesting look at at what what will happen to to the the DC uh, football team, the, yeah. the Redskins. Um, and you know what? I want to say something right now. Uh, about 
the Redskins and and Justin and I and how we talk about them. I I don't want to scare anybody away. So <laughs> I and I and I got some some un you know off the record feedback that's not on iTunes about people who know me especially about how yeah. I feel about the Redskins. I want to say something right now set the record straight a little bit. I don't like Dan Snyder. Yeah. And I feel bad. You've heard I think by now it's come through that I really enjoy the fan base in DC, especially with the the other three teams. But the Redskins thing drives me nuts because you guys keep rooting for this awful owner and he keeps driving the team into the ground. Yeah. He hasn't handled the Redskins issue correctly. I he could have come out looking pretty good in a way. Yeah. I, I can't tell you what strategy right now off the top of my head, but there was a way to save that P, that PR campaign. He waited way too long to get involved with, uh, you know, Indian groups and American yeah. Indian groups. It just it's awful. Two, he he doesn't help you succeed. No, he ruins the team. He I ruins mean, the team. Yeah, it, that's a that's a fun one. We may actually talk about this. I think we're talking about doing a draft yep. special, and we're just going to talk about a lot of things. Talk about some of the funny stories that have occurred with some of the guys in this draft class. Talk about past draft busts or guys that did really well. One thing we may do actually is go through and start looking at some of these past Redskins drafts specifically. Because yeah. I remember I saw a stat just a few days ago about showing who got drafted by the Redskins per position, and then the position that same position player that got drafted next. And every time it's like Redskins drafted a guy no longer in the league or like severely underperforming, and then the next guy is a pro bowler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Come to find out, it's somebody, the whole team was saying, we want this one guy. And Dan Snyder says, no, that's stupid. We're going to draft this other yeah. one. And he's wrong every time. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I just, I just want to bring that point. I just want to make that point now because the opportunity presented itself. Yeah. I, don't, I don't hate the Redskins as much as you guys think I do. It's Dan <laughs> Snyder. I, want, I live in the city. I want, I want to be successful. I want to see the, the citizens of this area. I say city. I live in Arlington. But like this yeah. area, the DMV. Yeah. To be excited for a team that does well and listens to their fans and actually manages manages themselves yeah. well. I think Dan Snyder ultimately is just so stubborn that if somebody tells him to do one thing, even if it's the right thing, he just does not like to be told what to do, so he wants to do the opposite. Right. So anyway, we got way off track. <laughs> so let's come back to the Clippers. So we... You know, it's a great issue to talk about. What I actually want to talk about is the now new ownership of the Clippers. So the, the prevailing idea is that Sterling's going to get kicked out. Right. He will no longer be the owner. And all these great names are rising up, and they're all celebrities. You got Oprah. Yeah. Oprah. Yeah. Owning the an obvious. M- yeah, yeah, NBA team. Magic Johnson, so that will be two LA teams for him. Right. Uh, odd, odd that he would own the Clippers, too, after I, having been a Lakers legend. Yes. That's kind of strange. I agree right? with that. Uh, Frankie Muniz yeah. of Malcolm in the Middle fame. Yeah. And uh, Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather, I think, is an interesting one. I, I you know, he, he's always odd to me because he doesn't come across always as being that intelligent because he does some really weird stuff. But he actually is a really, really smart guy. Yeah. From, all, from everything I've read. And he obviously is a good businessman because he makes way more money than any other boxer. Yeah. Because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. He knows um, how to promote himself. Yeah, I mean, Frankie Muniz, I don't know, but I don't know if that's... I was like, where does this money come from? Malcolm yeah. in the Middle, I we mean, all know it, but yeah. was it really that popular? I mean, I guess it gets syndicated, but still, I don't. I, I think that was more of a joke, hopefully, because unless he's just... Maybe he knows something that we don't, the Clippers are about to tank in value by about $900 million, then maybe he's got a shot, but past that, I don't know. Yeah. Um. It, you know, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I 
So actually, funny enough, while I was in Seattle, they were because t- Seattle at this point is desperate to get a basketball team because they're still pretty pretty upset about losing the Sonics. And there's a local owner I cannot remember his name right now, but they were mentioning him that he's been connected a little bit in uh in that. And so he's been talking about possibly buying the Clippers, and there's some concern that he might actually try to move them back to Seattle or up to Seattle. Ooh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I would like that team. I love the Clippers team. I love yeah. that lineup. Oh, yeah. I, I love, love Blake Griffin. And I would, and it'd be cool to see him up there. Yeah, it'd be interesting. And like I said, Seattle, they want a team bad. So yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, um, but along with the uh, Magic Johnson line of thinking here, uh, we have now our second hashtag Snydering for the week. Uh, <laughs> So yesterday, Mike D'Antoni announced that he was resigning from the Lakers, which I'm pretty sure everybody could have seen that coming because it just was not going well. Uh, But Magic Johnson last night tweets out and deleted about three minutes later. Happy days are here again. Mike D'Antoni resigns as Lakers coach. I couldn't be happier. He didn't delete it. I found it. Oh, he he must have deleted it and then reposted it. I guess somebody called him out. But... Either way, I think that is just a really dumb move on his part. First of all, I mean, I know that he played for the Lakers, so obviously he has very strong ties to the Lakers. I think he has a statue outside. But Dodgers ownership. Like, and he's, already, he's talking about buying the Clippers, for goodness sakes. Like, you can't be talking about the Lakers as much. Second of all, it, I don't know who in their right mind could honestly blame all of this on Mike D'Antoni. They handed him a team of stars that immediately went to the DL. Yep. I mean... I would like to see the number of games he coached and the number of those games that Kobe Bryant played in, Steve Nash played in, or much less all three of his big players combined. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't think it would have been maybe 15% of the games he coached, they all three played. Because right at the beginning, when he started on, Steve Nash was hurt the first couple months, and then that's when Kobe Bryant went down. Kobe Bryant's been down forever. And I've, so this is one issue I've had with a couple of the recent teams that Mike D'Antoni has coached for. I don't understand teams that bring in coaches that do not match their style of play. Mike D'Antoni was a run-and-gun offense guy. His star player forever was Steve Nash, who Steve Nash is not your stereotypical. He's not a Carmelo Anthony. He's not a Kobe. He's not going to take 40, like 35, 40 shots a game. So that is not... That's not the style of coaching that he's there for. He went to the Knicks. He was starting to kind of turn them around with, like, the Danilo Gallinari team. You know, Raymond Felton was on there. A bunch of other random guys. Then while he's with the Knicks, they trade for Carmelo. Send all those guys out to Denver. Denver starts doing well because George (laughs) Carl coaches better that way. Mm -hmm. And then the Knicks start tanking. And then the Lakers are dumb enough to bring in this guy who is not good at coaching Carmelo Anthony and make him coach a guy that's almost exactly the same. If not worse. Yeah, exactly. So, you, I mean, you have to have, obviously, the ultimate for coaching big Worse, worse for D'Antoni right. in the in personality department. Right. Kobe will be one of the greatest players oh, in the history of yeah. basketball. But, but yeah. worse for the fact that he will take as many shots as he wants, yeah. which is fine. I mean, he's a good shooter. But, you know, that's not D'Antoni's style. And D'Antoni wants to run his offense. And you almost have to bring in a coach that, uh, you can bring in a Phil Jackson because he's so legendary. Like he is the only coach that even the biggest ego of players will 
step back and they'll listen to what he has to say because you know if they start questioning him all he has to do is be like i got 11 rings and 10 fingers what do you have so it was not well when he came into the lakers he had six so of course kobe and shaq are going to listen and do whatever he wants but you cannot bring in these guys that run a specific offense that's based around multiple guys taking a lot of shots a game not just one and that's why i think eric spolster has been largely successful partly because i don't think he does much if we're being honest i think he just sits on the sideline and claps and but he's like yeah lebron whatever you want to do man that sounds great don't get me started on him <laughs> yeah he was talking about giving a gift you or i could oh, be that yeah. manager yeah exactly like, <laughs> i mean yeah i mean hand off the reins of the towel boy it'll be the same <laughs> same result yeah I, yeah i mean i just i don't understand teams that do that and they just they don't seem to understand having the right coach in place for the right kind of team. But I don't know. That, that, it seems like it keeps happening to Mike D'Antoni. And it keeps being jobs. Because I'm sure he knows going in, oh, this is not going to be great. But when it's the Knicks and they're offering you a ton of money, you're going to take it. Yeah. And then the Lakers offering you a ton of money, you're like, well, take $4 million a year to be really bad. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and now he gets to say he coached the Knicks and the Lakers. Yeah, like, exactly. Biggest franchises. I mean, you're telling me that the Pelicans wouldn't take a shot at bringing him in as a coach? You know, I mean, like, of course, this guy coached the Lakers and the Knicks. So what if he couldn't make it work there? I mean, they're smart enough to know. If I was one of those mid-market teams, I would be dying to have D'Antoni right now. That would be my number one pick. Yeah. Well, they're talking about uh, Scott Brooks might be on the hot seat if if Thunder doesn't pull the series out. That's true. I mean, I think, eh, yeah, I don't know. That's a run-and-gun system. It is kind of, yeah. Yeah. But you still, it's, it's a mix because you got... Uh, you got Durant that still does shoot a lot. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I don't know where I'd like to see him go. I think he could he could succeed in a couple different places. I believe. But yeah, it's well, and one of one of my favorite rumors that's been going around is the Calipari to the Lakers. They've been saying that for a couple weeks, and Nick Young. Somebody talked to him like last week. It was TMZ. I really hate that I know this, but. <laughs> It was uh, it was TMZ, and they asked him about D'Antoni, and he goes, yeah, it's a shame what they did to D'Antoni. So clearly, they've known for a while that he was not going to be returning, yeah. and it just came out yesterday. So, I don't know. I Some people doubt that whole Calipari thing. Nah, I, I wouldn't. Yeah. I mean, I think it's certainly a possibility. He seems like a guy who'd be itching to get into the NBA. Yeah. And I mean, talk about a guy that coaches egos. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, yeah. Taking five of the top 18-year-olds in the country and putting them on one team, that's a lot of egos. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, uh, while we're on basketball, this will be our, our, our last official topic for, for this week, but uh, Joey Crawford, oh, back God. at it again. Oh, Joey, up oh, to his tricks. Oh, Joey. God, that guy. He's so, I mean, he's just such a joke. This is, this is always one of my high horse topics. There should never be a referee or umpire or anything that you know them by name. Yes. The only the only yeah. exception to that is Ed Hockley, but he mostly became like popular vernacular just because he was the most jacked referee you've ever seen in your life. Granted, after that, in a couple last couple years, he's had some on the field issues where he's called things wrong, whatever. But that's how he got his notoriety. But Joey Crawford is known for blowing games and known for showing obvious biases. So, as a Mavericks fan, this is always my high horse. The the Mavs are at one point were one and eighteen in the playoffs with Joey Crawford as referee, 
And if you look at the Mavs' overall playoff record during that time, it was the opposite of that. They were very, very good in the playoffs. But every time, and I still remember watching, it was a Spurs-Mavs playoff game, and the Mavs ended up getting eliminated in it. Looked at the fouls at the end of the game, there was over 30 fouls called on the Mavs, and there were 11 called on the Spurs. (laughs) There is not a chance that the Spurs were fouling that much less. Yeah. He's just, he's hated the Mavericks forever. Although he does, one of the famous situations is when he threw out Tim Duncan, when Tim Duncan was just laughing on the sideline, yep. but laughing at something a teammate said. Yeah. And he just points at him and ejects him. Tim Duncan, like one of the, like, he's so meek yeah. when it comes to his personality. I mean, at that point, I think long ago the NBA should have just gotten rid of Joey Crawford. Yeah, well, Dude is I mean, old. Let him retire. Yeah. Just get him out. Well, he had, he had two incidents this week. Yeah. Two. He had uh, on Sunday, which didn't didn't matter anything. Again, we're recording this one on a Thursday, but right. on this past Sunday, he he refed the uh, the the Golden State Clippers game, uh, Golden State. I'm sorry, Warriors slash Clippers game. Right. And uh, Stephen Curry got sent Stephen. this. Uh, Stephen, sorry, <laughs> I'm so bad with names. <laughs> Stephen Curry got handed this wide open three point shot. I mean, he's probably the best perimeter shooter. One of the top five best oh, perimeter shooters in the league. Wide open three-point shot. And Joey Crawford ran in front of him. And there was no reason There's to. There's no reason. I'm not certain. I, from the angle, you cannot see how much space is behind Stephen Curry. Yeah. But that is also 100% irrelevant. Yeah. Because it was a fast break. There was nothing else going on. Joey Crawford could have stood behind, like to the right side of where Stephen Curry was. And let him take that shot. And let him take the shot and then move into position and it would not have been an issue. But he runs right in front yeah, of him. directly in front of almost him. Almost like a block. And he like moves his arm a weird way. Like he's yeah. going for his whistle. Like almost like he's trying to block the shot. Yeah, it was so strange. And then of course there's the Kevin Durant. Yeah, well, and just want to point out though that oh, didn't yeah. end up mattering because right. the Warriors beat the Clippers pretty bad on Sunday. But then, yeah, you got the Kevin Durant where he takes the ball back, stops the shot. Goes and yells something at the scorer's table, which from all in, from all accounts, it was nothing of value. So I, I looked up what it was. The fouls, again, I don't know why he's looking. It still begs the point of like why he did this. He looked, apparently looked up at the scoreboard or the, at, you know, like the big yeah. scoreboard that everybody can see and the fouls are wrong. Like why do that in the middle of yeah, Durant shooting his second foul, thro- it, foul shot? Yeah, it doesn't matter because he should know how many fouls there are. And there's also... It's not even it's not even a matter of what's on the scoreboard. That doesn't matter. What matters is what the actual individual scorer has. So yeah. for all he knows, it could just be a score like a scoreboard malfunction. Yeah. So you shouldn't be stopping a pivotal point in a game to deal and with it, this. And it came out to matter because the the Thunder ended up tying uh, that game, and they went into overtime and lost by one point. Yeah. So that one point would have mattered. Yeah. He's now Durant still got to shoot it, and he missed. But there's a rhythm. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's just maybe he makes it. Maybe maybe he still misses it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not to say that Joey Crawford is one hundred percent to blame for that, but regardless, he did something that he should not have done. Yep. So it may may have mattered, may not have mattered, but you know, have an idea of what's going on in the game. Like this is kind of a big foul shot, and what's on the scoreboard honestly really doesn't matter at this point. Yep. Like fix it as soon as he, as soon as Durant's shot is over, you can. Figure it out after that. I mean, there will be another out-of-bounds play. There will be something where you can whistle dead. 
and go from there. There's definitely a TV timeout coming up. Yeah, exactly. Because it's the end of the game. It's the NBA. They, they're stop and go. Yeah, they're trying to stretch that last two minutes out as much as they can. Write it on your hand or something. I don't know. Figure yeah. something out that is not disrupting the rhythm of the game. Yep. But, but uh, yeah, and, and uh, so that's pretty much our show for the week. But I do want to end on a light and happy note. Uh, this isn't really sports, but it's definitely competition. Um, I was at the gym last night. And uh, around the 7 o'clock hour on the East Coast, that's when on, on uh, ABC they have Wheel of Fortune and, and, and Jeopardy. And uh, I was watching the, watching the uh, Wheel of Fortune on the first half hour, and they had this guy in the first contestant spot who was just this really excitable guy, really exuberant. I'm like, oh, it's really cool to see like, a guy like really excited like that. And I'm working out, so I'm, not, I'm paying half attention. But I started to notice that he, he looked... I'm being totally nice about this and trying to be sensitive, but it looked, looked, looked a little different. And uh, his name was Trent. I looked it up today. Uh, his name is Trenton uh, Giron. And uh, he was a person with, with uh, special needs. He had, he, had, he had a couple of disabilities. And I just want to give major, major props to Wheel of Fortune for putting him on there. He was a great, great guy. He didn't win the game, but he did win the first puzzle. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're people too. And I think that's a great, great sign by, by Wheel of Fortune to put somebody out there like that. And I hope to see that more. So, Absolutely. So big props to Wheel of Fortune. And one final thing. I uh, got a text message from my roommate here a few minutes ago. For all you soccer fans out there that know what I'm talking about, I uh, got announced today that the U.S. will be hosting Copa America in 2016. Nice. Which is a big tournament between North and Central America. And they're going to involve – well, it's mostly going to be South America, but – yeah, it's going to be between all those countries. It's usually hosted in South America, but the U.S. is getting it for 2016. So that's going to bring a lot of amazing games to North America. There you go. Pretty excited about there you it. Go. So, Any other final thoughts, Justin? I think that's it for the week. Well, hey, listen, remember, hashtag DC All-Star Game 2017. Tweet at us at MLAbsurdity. Yeah. Uh, email us at MajorLeagueAbsurdity at gmail.com. And tweet it. NBA and Adam Silver and tell them get rid of Joey Crawford. That's that's actually I, I started that earlier this week on Twitter was ban Crawford. That needs to be another hashtag, simultaneous yeah. hashtag that we have going on. Maybe combine them. I don't know. Yeah. You know, maybe it'll get a little more attention that yeah. way. Well, great. Uh, we hope you guys have a, a great week and uh, go get that Taco Bell breakfast. Yeah, absolutely.
Gucci. 